everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Polyglot Perspective Podcast, hosted by me, Taylor. And me, Lily. In today's episode, we'll be talking about self-studying a language, in addition to practicing language in real life. Before we get started, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a few seconds to subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel, as well as leave us a great review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This would help us out a lot. Thanks so much. And without further ado, please welcome our first guest for episode two of season two of the Polyglot Perspective podcast, Emily. Hi. <laughs> Emily is a 16-year-old living in the United States. She is an she is an Irish-Ukrainian-American who comes from a family with 63 cousins. She is currently intermediate to advanced in Spanish and is learning Brazilian Portuguese and Russian. Other than language learning, her hobbies include travel, cooking, listening to music, and watching movies. We're super excited to have you on the podcast, Emily. At the start of each episode, we have the guests introduce themselves and the languages that they're currently learning. So please introduce yourself. Okay, so Spanish. Um, Portuguese. Uh, português. Português é minha terceira língua. Eu cresci nos Estados Unidos em uma família uma língua. E eu comecei a aprender português em... Recentemente, eu não sei se é correto, mas... Sim, em português, that was really bad. <laughs> okay, and these next two are, like, short. So, Russian. Привет, меня зовут Эмли, я украинская, американская, и я учу русский, потому что моя семья была из России. Сегодня я Волинская область Украина. And the next is Icelandic. So, hello, я хейте Эмли, я хорошо бандарикану, я хорошо баросмова из Истанбул, я хейм соте Истан, Истанбул, о я русская народная квартира Фрайте, о я, я. Wow, that was nice. Thank you. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I really liked seeing like the Spanish and Portuguese comparison because they're pretty similar. Yeah, they and, are. Your, and your accent for Spanish. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And the accent is from which area? Um, well, honestly, I'm not like a hundred percent like if I'm doing it right. I try and learn from a uh, northern Colombia, like the Caribbean coast. That's like my favorite type of Spanish. I've been told it's like kind of Venezuelan sometimes too, which makes sense because those accents are similar, but yeah, that's like the general area, but mostly like Caribbean general, yeah, is how my Spanish is. That's pretty interesting. Like me, I'm learning Colombian Spanish, but not the Caribbean, like yeah. more of the standard, but like I can hear it in your voice, like you have that rhythm to it and very good Spanish. Yeah, Spanish is so cool to me because it sounds so different depending on like where it's from. Because mm -hmm. I'm currently learning right now, like Mexican Spanish, like standard Mexican. So it sounds really different from... What, what I just heard it's really nice yeah yeah it's like and it's so crazy how people like I think in the U.S. especially they think all Spanish sounds the same like, no, no. <laughs> yeah totally like it depends like each region is different even like some people that speak Spanish they can't understand the other regional Spanish 
So it's like so different. Yeah. Like I cannot understand people from Spain for like the life <laughs> of me. Like that list throws me off. Like, <laughs> yeah. And um, to start off the personal question section, um, we were wondering because you said you were Irish, Ukrainian, American. Um, are you in touch with your Irish Ukrainian roots and how's the culture and your experience being a part of that community? Well, I mean, my family is like American for like, we've been in the U.S. for like a decent amount of time. You know, we're all mono, like we don't we're not bilingual or anything like interesting like that. <laughs> but um, I think I've just really I was always really interested in that genealogy aspect, just like like where like my family was from and like why they left and that sort of thing. So I do, it's more of just like a meet, like I try and like discover information and like look at the culture, like study the cultures of the areas. Um, this coming week is actually a holiday, it's like an Eastern Slavic holiday called Maslenica. And it's like a, um, what do you call it? Like it's basically kind of a pagan-ish holiday with like wel the welcoming of spring. So I'm hoping to like celebrate some aspects of that. So just like little things like holidays, obviously language is really great and getting in touch with that sort of thing. And yeah, I would say I'm like, I'm not like perfect. Like it's not my culture. Cause like I grew up in the US. I don't have the same experience growing as like someone growing up in Ukraine or in Ireland, but I am interested in the culture. So yeah. Ooh, and your last name, is that um, Irish? Or no, my last name's Hinkley, which is like English, but it's weird because that whole my whole family on that side with that name is Irish. I think it was just like someone <laughs> long ago, like was from England and like married someone from Ireland, and then ever since, like everyone's been Irish. So yeah, that's like I, it's weird. I shouldn't. My middle name is McGuire, which is Irish, but um, nice, nice. Yeah, <laughs> at least I have some part of my name. Oh, do you have like anything interesting to share about like Irish culture? that you know of or Ukrainian um, culture mm -hmm. yeah well I think well with Ukraine culture I think there's like a lot of misconceptions with it and that it's like because it was and this isn't just for Ukraine but like most post-Soviet countries it's all gray and gloomy and real dark but honestly like if you look at Ukraine's like full costumes it is literally so colorful and it's like flowers and it's not this dark gloomy obviously there's problems with it but like with the country but it's not this like horrible or like gloomy or dangerous. And I think people think like Chernobyl and stuff too. And I'm just like, no, it's not this horrible place, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you mentioned that you do things to get in touch with your Irish and Ukrainian roots. So what are some specific things that you've done um, that have helped you get more uh, connected? Well, um, this one's kind of base. It's just clothes. I have a um, like a scarf, like, like the babushka, like the grandmother scarves <laughs> I, I just, they're not just for grandmas I mean when it's cold they're yeah, really yeah. cool to wear so I wear that when it's cold obviously like learning some of the language like learning about the food um getting in touch with like people who are like Irish and Ukrainian or like is obviously great you know if they're like willing to share stuff about the culture um that helps me learn a lot and yeah I was interested because with the Irish side my Irish side of my family is like Irish American they're all from New York but I didn't since I live in Georgia I don't like I didn't really know them for a long time but then I went up to New York a couple years back and I like got to meet all them and I was like oh this is like way like I never knew my family was like this it was just very like I don't know it was just I don't know how to explain it was just this like kind of 
I don't know. It was just so different than what I had been raised around. And I was like, wow. So that was when the first time I kind of got in touch with my like Irish side. Yeah. Like, it was interesting. <laughs> so going off that point, you mentioned that you had 63 cousins, um, I think. So how is that like living in a big family? Have you met everybody? Yeah. Well, that's the thing with um, Irish families. And I, I think this is like in Ireland and like an Irish like like diaspora, like throughout the world family is like extremely important. Like it doesn't matter if someone's like your eighth cousin, they're like your brother. So family, like no matter how distant it is, and especially my parents are really big on that, just like family, family, family. And the 63 cousins, that's like just my first and my second cousins. So I probably have like thousands out there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) gosh. I I have so, I mean, I have two siblings. Uh, My dad has three siblings and my grandpa was one of nine. So and then I, oh. yeah, I have like a huge family, but I, I like having a big family. It is fun. There's just tons of people and, you know, it's always a good time. Oh, that's so nice. Like um, me, actually, if you see my last name, Burke, it's it's Irish <laughs> because my um, grandma is from Ireland, but she um, immigrated here, like adoptive. And, but like, we don't really know the language because my mom wasn't taught so she didn't pass it down to me but Mm -hmm. it's like so cool hearing about like you having a big family because like I come from a small one and it's nice to see different perspectives yeah yeah it is really cool because I mean obviously like I think I don't think that's just an I think because like in Catholicism and stuff family too is really important most Irish people are Catholic so Mm -hmm. um yeah, I think that's where that comes from. But it, it is really cool. Like, I like having a big family and stuff. Mm-hmm. And have you ever been to Ireland or Ukraine? No, I haven't. I want to go so bad. And Ukraine, too, is like, there's obviously, like, bad parts. But it's honestly, like, most part, it's pretty safe. And, like, it's cheap, too. Like, if you're a foreigner visit, you can get around. Like, you have to try to spend $100 in a day in Ukraine, like, of U.S. Money. So if you ever want, nice. if you want somewhere, like, inexpensive um Ireland I've never been I'd love to go I know my dad would really want to go and but yeah I think Ireland is like Ireland is beautiful Mm. I'd love to go one day yeah that sounds cool does most of your family like extended family like the 62 cousins do they live mostly in the states or in Ireland or back in Ukraine oh they like they all live in the U.S. my family's been in the U.S. for a pretty long time but yeah they're pretty much all they're all in the U.S. I have some who are like American born but like live abroad and stuff but they're all American yeah. Wow wow yeah so yeah in terms of the other languages that you're learning how did you first get into language learning and do you have a special reason for getting started? Um, Well like I said with Spanish um, I only took that because I didn't like French I was just bad at it (laughs) But I think it was like eighth grade, so like my second year taking Spanish, I realized I really liked it. And it wasn't just I liked Spanish. I was like, I like languages. So I don't know. There wasn't like a specific event really where I was like, oh, I, this makes me want to learn languages. It was more just like I was kind of figuring out what I liked. I was in middle school and then I was like, oh, I really like this. So I just got into it from there. I think that's it for our personal questions that we have for you. So we can get started talking about the main topic of today, um, beginning with the school system versus self-study comparison. So within our study community, many people have different approaches to learning languages. Some people prefer going to class or having tutoring, and other people prefer self-studying. So what do you think about both of these methods, and which one of them do you prefer? 
I think both of them are good. Like, I am glad personally that I started taking Spanish in school instead of just learning it on my own because I would have been completely lost. Um, now that I do, what I try and do, like, when I am learning languages is, like, take some of the structure in school and, like, apply it at home because, I mean, that's basically, like, that's a pretty similar approach. And, um, yeah, I think, like, having a classroom, it depends on your personality. So, like, having a classroom can be really beneficial if you like have obviously it's good having somebody there who like knows the language knows how to teach it and everything but also being around other people is good especially if it's a language that's completely different from your like Russian for example like Russian is very different from English so and I'm not taking classes right now but when I like really really start to seriously study it I'll definitely be taking classes um but like with Portuguese Portuguese is really similar to Spanish and I have a pretty strong foothold in Spanish so um like, I don't need, like, I, there's not that need for me to be in a classroom. So, yeah, I say I generally prefer self-study over classroom. Yeah. And, like, you're learning the type of Spanish with Colombian, but isn't it, like, in classrooms, they teach you the Spain Spanish? Yeah, so from, okay, so I've had, out of all the Spanish teachers I've had, I've had one American Spanish teacher well, two technically, but one American Spanish teacher who I think just said, like she taught like neutral Spanish, mm-hmm. one who was from Bogota, Colombia, and one who was American but studied in Bogota, Colombia, and then my current Spanish teacher is from Costa Rica. So I've had like I've been grateful to have had Spanish teachers who have like been from Latin America and have studied in Latin America, that sort of thing, especially in Colombia. Um, I think it can be tough sometimes because like generally many Spanish teachers in the U.S. are either teaching Mexican or Spanish, Spain Spanish, which there's nothing wrong with either of those, but um, I would just get kind of lost sometimes with all the vocab. I would be like, what are these words? Like, I don't know what these, like I've never seen these before. And then, or I would say a word and they would be like, what does that even mean? And I'm just like, oh God. (laughs) But yeah, I think like the thing with like me learning the dialect I'm learning, I have a good friend who's from that area actually. And that's kind of how I got introduced to it. And I actually got the opportunity to go there like two summers ago. So that really is why I um, chose it. But yeah. Yeah. How was your experience going to Latin America? Like you just mentioned. I loved it. I really loved Colombia has super. And of course, there's like so many negative stereotypes about Colombia. But it's like the people were so nice and like so grateful. Like they were so happy to have someone visit. Um, I went to Cartagena, which is on the coast and then Bogota, which is like in the, the capital in the mountains. Um, Bogota is a really cool city like it's a really really cool city Um, and it honestly like I think some people are like oh it's so unsafe it's just common sense you know like don't like you don't even in the U.S. you don't walk out at night like wearing your flashiest clothes and jewelry and all that you just don't do that you don't do that in Colombia either and like I don't know but it was a really good experience a completely different environment that I'd never been I was really forced to use Spanish um, because like that that's a good place because it's not something where it's like like completely like dangerous because there are some places in Latin America where like, especially like a woman you just shouldn't go to but Colombia is a country where it's like it's safe enough for you to go as a tourist but it also it's not so touristy it's like everyone knows English you still have to use mm-hmm. Spanish so it's a good place for that yeah do you have any like memories or moments in which you use Spanish to talk to native speakers in Colombia Yes. Oh my God. There was this one and I was the one who had, cause I knew the most Spanish out of my family at that point. So I was having to get everybody like around. 
And so I was like, or doing all these, I was like asking for cabs. I was like ordering food. And wow. I, this was the point where like, I didn't completely understand their accent, like the Costeño accent. So I was just like, I like mom, did, like, I, don't know, I, don't I don't know what these people are saying a lot of times. And um, this isn't like a language memory, but there's one because Colombia, right? Because Venezuela next door has a lot of like, it's a really bad economic situation. Um, so there's like a lot of Venezuelan refugees living in Colombia right now. And um, I remember seeing like the money in Venezuela is like completely useless. Like it doesn't have any, like you can have a truck, literal truckload of money and it can't even buy you a Big Mac. That's like, just to give you an idea of how it is in Venezuela. But so I saw this guy who was like from Venezuela in Bogota and he was had the little Bolivar, which is what the money's called. And he was painting on the money and selling it to like make money. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wish I bought one, but I didn't get the chance to. Hmm. That's interesting. You notice any like cultural differences between like Colombia and the States? Yes. Um, people are like, I'd say just more a little friendlier, like up, up front. Like you don't have that, like, and it doesn't feel like that fake nice ever. It like feels like people <laughs> genuinely like are nice to you and like, um it's interesting because even within Colombia like within the coast versus like in the in in the interior like the Mm -hmm. mountains and stuff but there is a lot of cultural differences there like the Caribbean side it's a little more like relaxed you know you can like swear and people like don't it's not a big deal but like it's definitely like in Bogota especially it's way more formal like it's really just like whoa (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like that, that's so cool that you went there and you experienced it. And um, going back to our main topic on self-study, like um, you said you preferred self-study over um, school language um, learning. So actually a lot of people in our language study gram community are what we call autodidacts. And this word is actually more commonly used in Spanish as autodictada, and it actually means self-taught. So some examples, famous examples of autodidacts that um, are, are very successful would be our 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. He actually only spent one year in school and he just taught himself everything and he would still be able to become the president. So that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to our question. What are the benefits of self-studying and how can most people most effectively start their language autodidact journey? Well, with self-studying, you have a lot more freedom than you do in a classroom. So you can like, you can really explore your own personal methods of language or like what works best for you. So like, and even that applies like with passive learning, like if you like movies, like if you like music, like you can really discover what is best for you and you're not limited by a classroom. Um, I would say advice I would give, um, just be patient, take time. You're not gonna get it. Like you may not get the perfect method on the first time. Your perfect method may be a combination of methods. Um, but yeah, just like be, be easy. Don't be too hard on yourself. Language learning is supposed to be fun and don't get so caught up in like having to follow a specific study method. 
Yeah, I think that's a really great point that you brought up that language learning doesn't like it takes so many different forms and you can have a combination of not only studying from a textbook, but finding methods that you enjoy, like watching a TV show, reading a book. That's what you like to do. Um, I mean, if you like, you know, studying out of a textbook, then that's perfectly fine, too. Mm -hmm. But there's different methods. Yeah. So on that note, do you have any unique or unconventional ways of studying languages and or how do you study? What's your typical study routine? I just repeat and repeat and repeat until like no end. Like that's just what works. It's like my my brain kind of just works like that. Like repetition just works best for me. And I think that's like what helps me with language learning too, because repetition is important. But um, yeah, just like going over a concept multiple times, going over like the vocab as many times as I need to do, like get it in my head. Because you can kind of like the more and more you show it, the more, more your brain is going to think, oh, this is important. I need to like store it. So yeah, that's kind of just, that's how I do it. So yeah, I don't think that's anything like wild, but yeah. Yeah, repetition is definitely important. So mm-hmm. in terms of repetition, do you do like like textbook or like vocab repetition or, you know, uh, shadowing maybe with a TV show? Yeah, so I do like with textbooks, if like there's one concept, I'll just like go over, go back and like read the chapter again or something. And then with vocab just go through it again and again um something that does help me with vocab though is like taking little flashcards and like taping them around my room on the objects like what if lamp just like put the thing on for lamp and that just like helps get it in your head even more um yeah Mm -hmm. and you're studying a lot of languages like how do you keep being consistent with each language while self-studying learning yeah, so, well, Spanish, it's nice, because, like, I have that in school, so it's, like, I already have time carved out in my day for it. Portuguese, um, since it is similar to Spanish, I don't need to put as much time into it as I, like, would another, like, Russian. Um, but, yeah, with Russian, I think I'm really gonna, like, from now, or for now, I just, like, kind of study just, like, basic, like, words, like, I don't, like, force myself to study it or anything, just, like, absorb what I can but then later in my life I think I'm gonna really like buckle down and take classes and do that sort of thing so yeah and like what's your um favorite part of self-studying well just the freedom you have with it and I mean I don't like being super like even in school like I just I do get kind of annoyed feeling super bogged down by a classroom and like having to kind of go with everybody else especially since language learning is such a personal thing. I think self-studying really works well because you can do it like at your pace, like for your reasons for like, it can be more about you, which Mm -hmm. is what ultimately language learning is for. Yeah, that's a really great point. Everybody has a different way of learning languages. Um, It's important to find your own method and self-studying for you was the right method. Um, So yeah, so we can begin starting uh, talking about practicing languages in daily life. So I know a lot of people mentioned that they have anxiety just talking to native speakers, you know, like if they say the wrong thing or things of that sort. So how can, how do you, do you have any advice on how people can step out of their comfort zones and just talk to native speakers? Yeah, this is something I still struggle with, honestly. Like, I, I'd be lying if I said I did it. You just got to do it. And, like, once you kind of get in the groove of doing it, you're – it'll just kind of seem more natural. Like, it's like, oh, this isn't as scary anymore. Like, even with Spanish, like, I have a pretty good foothold on that, and I'm still nervous to, like, talk to people. And I'm just like, why? Like, like they're not – like, if they judge me, you know, that's, like, their problem, you know. But most people – and honestly, especially with, like – 
like a lot of people if you take the time to learn their language they're gonna like be happy especially in a world that's so dominated by English and like so many Americans just don't even bother to like learn a word Mm -hmm. in a second language so a lot of people are honestly really appreciative of it and they won't make fun of you too much if you like I mean obviously if you say something like really bad then they may laugh but like (laughs) but they won't they typically like they'll be nice about it honestly like they'll be willing and supportive yeah I think that's honestly like the fun of language learning just like you know laughing about you know different mistakes that you made because I think everybody when you know speaking language for the first time to native speakers is pretty intimidated because like Mm -hmm. for I think for most Americans our native language obviously is English and a lot of us haven't learned a second language so like going out of the blue and speaking a native language or another language to native speakers can be pretty intimidating but I think it's definitely a really great experience Yeah. yeah and so many people in the world if this could help too so many people in the world have to learn a second language, typically English at least. So you're not the only one going through that. You're not the only one who's nervous about like you're, yeah, it's, it's a universal feeling honestly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And like, it's actually like a specific term speaking of foreign language anxiety. There's actually a lot of statistical data. Like a lot of people really get nervous to actually speak and there's also another reason why people don't really speak um, their language that they're learning. It's because it's really hard for some people. If they don't live in a diverse um, city, it's really hard to practice. So how can people practice languages in a real life setting this day and age in 2021? Well, the great thing about the age we live in, even though there's a lot of negatives with it, we have social media, we have technology, we have like italki that's like an easy way to talk to native speakers, even on social, like, you don't if you don't want to pay on social media, you can talk to native speakers for free. Um, and I think like, honestly, as like silly as this sounds, just talking to yourself can help. I do that with Spanish, like all the time. I'll just like talk to myself in Spanish, even in English too. But yeah, I know that like, especially cause I grew, I live in an area, it's pretty diverse, but like, um, at the same time, like, there are some places in the South I go to where it is, like, only English, like, people only, like, they don't know a word in another language, so, yeah, I definitely, I've been in those situations before where it's just, like, oh, God, who do I even practice with? Yeah, I definitely agree with your point of, like, just talking to yourself. I feel like, because I do that a lot, like, just in Spanish or in Chinese, <laughs> and then, like, I just hear my parents, what are you doing, Taylor? Why are you talking to yourself in your room? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst uh, but yeah I could definitely relate to that it definitely helps a lot you know like you know even if you're not fluent in Chinese or whatever language you're learning it definitely helps just talking to yourself because you get to f- a feel of like your pronunciation in comparison to native speakers and how you can improve and it just gets you uh, more fluent um, and fluid with the language itself yeah mm-hmm. yeah and like just when you're talking to yourself then you're just like oh gosh I forgot this word oh I don't know how to say this so yeah in like a non-nerve environment you can just look it up and then write it for next time and then when the native speaker asks you that you'll be all right all ready to go so talking to yourself is a really good weapon Mm -hmm. definitely okay so i think that was it for practicing in real life um in terms of another section i want to talk about toxic productivity so when we're discussing possible topics of interest for the podcast episode you said you'd be interested in talking about different negative impacts on modern day productivity that it has on language learning so can you elaborate on this yes so the whole productivity like that culture in general i feel like in recent years has just exploded 
and I just hate it because it's all these unrealistic it's just the idea you have to just work 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 all the time and when you're not working you're lazy you're like useless you know I just I don't like that ideology at all um and with language learning like I think even like within the language community it's been hard to like kind of integrate myself into it because so many people are so focused on like the metrics and the numbers and it's like like the whole it's like warping into that productivity culture and I'm just like I and because the thing language learning like I was saying earlier is so personal and it's so like you have your own reasons to do it you shouldn't have to like please society with it you know like obviously like you learn the language and stuff like you learn how to like speak like people but you shouldn't I don't know I just think you can get into like that a really obsessive and like it can really just take the fun out of it and the like passion out of it yeah I definitely oh. agree with that so much because I feel like on YouTube and on Instagram I often see like I mean on YouTube there's a whole like study with me like study for 11 hours no like <laughs> no like you know things like that where it's like no breaks or like you know 15 minute break here and there and I think that like instills this mindset oh we need to study like every single day if we're not studying we're lazy you know um and I feel like that is uh, kind of a lot of pressure put on uh you know, people who decide to learn languages, which can be pretty hard to, you know, integrate yourself into the self-study community. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's just up to you to decide, um, you know, which method works best for you. And if you really like studying every single day, then do that. But if that's too much for you, then I feel like just find ways in which you can enjoy what you study. Because at the end of the day, you started studying languages because you like to learn languages, not because, you know, I want to pass this test or I want to study 11 hours a day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like, I don't follow a lot of language learning accounts on it. I follow some, but I don't follow a lot of language learning accounts on Instagram because I'm just like, I don't want to see pictures of notes and like see pictures of like text. Like, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I have a study account actually, and I do that. But, um, well, like, it's okay. It's just, and also with the toxic productivity, um, I think that a lot of people are just, they just want to show like how they improve so much so fast. And then it can also affect our like um, self-esteem, like saying, oh, wow, look at that person. They studied Chinese for one year and now they can fluently speak. And then I have to study more or like, oh, why aren't my notes so pretty? So you do a lot of comparisons. So it can be really toxic, right? Yes, yes. I mean, I even find myself comparing... The worst is when you come, and I don't even know why I do this, is comparing yourself to native speakers. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Yo, wait, actually, like, I, I can kind of relate to it because, like, I'm I'm ethically, ethically Chinese, oh, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. compare myself all the time. Like, I'm saying my Chinese should be like this, but I should, I forget sometimes that, like, I self-study that, but I'm still comparing it. And actually, this toxic productivity is not only with language learning, it's just really like in general in life. Mm -hmm. There was a study, uh, Ohioan study, it found that 27.2% of students report moderate or severe daytime sleepiness. And 17.9% of students report less than six hours of sleep a night. This was directly linked to participation in extracurricular activities, including jobs. So a lot of times people just try to overwhelm themselves, trying to put so many things just to be productive. So that gives off to our main question of how can people be productive without overworking themselves? Yes. Um, 
you just got to find what works best for you and just not be too hard on yourself because at the end of the day, you're a human, you know, we're all people. We're just trying to get our, we're just trying to get through the world the best we can. And even though, yeah, life like may not be fair. Sometimes we shouldn't actively be trying to making it, make it worse or making it harder on ourselves. That's not going to help anyone or anything. So, um, yeah, just like try to, your best to just stick to your individuality as much as possible. And, and it can suck too, because if it's something you like so much and you feel like I can't even be a part of this, like that's a really sucky feeling. But um, yeah, just like stay true, stay true to yourself, stay true to like your goals and just don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think a lot of the toxic productivity that we have today is perpetuated by, you know, like the media. We see mm-hmm. like other people, oh, you know, this person is doing this. So I need to be better. I need to do this and this and this. I need to be like them or be better. And I think that that obviously leads to the really like toxic comparison mindset um, and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think just knowing that, you know, you're your own person and just trying to, um, you know, do things that benefit yourself, not that, you know, make you better than someone else or things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we're all human. Yeah, and it's also important to get sleep, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> maybe, That's a good point. Maybe like some of you are getting three to four hours that are listening. Just please get more hours of sleep because yeah, when you get good, not sleep, good. you can just like memorize or obtain more information. So just remember that. Yes, sleep, 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 hydrate, eat. Yes, repeat. Um, and for our last section, uh, we have a few questions from you uh, from Instagram from a few of our followers um, to ask you. So the first one is from a member of our team um, at Ali May, and she asks, "How do you choose what language you want to learn?" It's just like I mean, I don't. It's not like I looked at a list of languages and was like, "I want to learn that." It's just it's really like your personal, like what you want to do, you know. Like with Spanish, I chose, well, I started learning it in school. So that's why I chose, but I ended up really liking it. Russian, I'm learning because of my family. Um, Portuguese, I'm learning because I just really like the culture and stuff. And I want to go to Brazil one day. So yeah, I mean, it's your own personal, like you have to think like, what am I most drawn to? Like, and it doesn't matter how widely spoken the language is or if it's only spoken by three people, you have your own reasons to learn it. So just, yeah, you don't really like choose one to learn, like going through a list. You just, it's kind of, it's like, it comes from inside. I know that's really cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> yes, just do it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, the next question comes from um, at What's Up Baya, and she asks, "How did you learn Portuguese? Oh, how did you learn Portuguese?" Well, I'm still learning it. I'm pretty ba- basic in it. Um, I have a text. I do have a set of textbooks for that. It's called Easy Languages. Um, and it has like, it's nice cause it has a CD included in it too. So like I can listen and do the like practices. So I do that. I listen to a lot of music, like a lot of music. Um, I watch, there's a show on Netflix called Garotas Chipanema and it's like, uh, girls from Ipanema. <laughs> and, um, like that's, I watch that. Um, there's a movie too. I want to see called Cidade de Deus, which is like a, means city of God. And I would like, yeah, there's just like tons of movies and TV shows. And if you have a, honestly, if you have a foothold in any romance language, like you're kind of, you have a bit of a leg up, but um, yeah, just textbooks listening. Cause Portuguese too, isn't phonetic like Spanish is. So you have to learn the, I like learn the pronunciation pretty quickly through like a YouTube video, but you do have to make sure you're getting the like sounds right. Cause it isn't written as it's spoken. And before we conclude this episode, 
could you teach us your favorite word or phrase in any of the language you're learning? Yes. Uh, so in Spanish, um, there is a word or it's like a phrase called um, mamargayo, which means literally means to like suck a chicken. Mamargayo. What? <laughs> in like in Colombia, in the north, I don't know if they say this in like Medellin or, or like in the um, interior, but in the northern coast, it's they say mamargayo, which means literally to suck a chicken, but it means like to tease, like to pull a leg, Metaphor. like to joke around, like, okay, nice. like I was just joking with you. Like that, it's a really weird phrase, but um, yeah. And then in Portuguese, there's a word called saudade, which is like untranslatable to English. But it means like nostalgia, like or missing. Like Like that's like I have a like a nostalgia for you, kind of. And then in Russian, there's a word called well, there's which means I love you. And then Toska, which is another word you can't really translate to English, but it's like kind of, it's like sadness, like melancholy, kind of that. I don't know why it's my favorite word, but I just it captures an emotion that like English just can't. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, I love the whole like um, the like untranslatable phrases and words and images. It makes it yeah, it's so it's really cool. So yeah, I think that about wraps it up for today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, Emily. It was really a pleasure to talk to you and learn about your different language learning journey, hear your you know different perspectives and things of that sort. So yeah, that's it for today. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much for joining us.